Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Saturday. I think it's Saturday. Just the days are all kind of mashing in together, but Saturday podcast. Not sure if we want to call it an emergency podcast, because it's going to be a solo one with yours truly, Ryan Abraham, publisher of uscfootball.com. I think we're going to try to have Dan Weber on this weekend as well, and I'm flying out on Sunday to go to the Army All-American Bowl uh, in San Antonio, so we'll try to get Coach Harvey Hyde on before that as well. You guys have sent in a ton, ton, ton of questions following the bowl game and with the coaching stuff going on. So I want to do at least a solo podcast first to kind of knock some of those questions out, and we'll get to a whole bunch for Dan, a whole bunch for Harvey, uh, as soon as we can get to all those podcasts. So we're going to get all these up in the next couple of days. If you do have questions for us, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address, or you can leave us a voicemail Call a couple different ways, 641 641- 715-3900 is the number, and our extension is 816-646, or you go to our website, peristylepodcast.com, click on the left side of the page, you can leave us a voicemail there, and please go to itunes.com slash peristylepodcast, that's a great way to get a hold of the show, if you want to check out, you know, subscribe to the show, you want to give us a rating, which would be awesome, leave us five stars, other people can see it, and say, hey, we want to listen to this podcast as well, so we do appreciate all of you going to iTunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast and letting people know what you think about the Peristyle Podcast. All right, so like I said, it's going to be a solo show uh, today. It's Saturday. I'll try to get to as many topics as possible. You guys have sent in a lot of questions. We do appreciate all the feedback. And, yeah, it's, uh, it's a little, I guess, a sense of depression around uh, the USC program right now. So what, you know, I was listening to all the different uh, voicemails. We've got a whole bunch of voicemails that came in. And I kind of categorize them. This one's for Harvey. This one's for Dan. This one's for me or Gerard or whoever. And my wife was listening to him. She's like, man, it's, you read about it on the message board and you, you know, you can see USC fans are upset. But when you actually hear people, um, you know, on their voicemails talking about it, it sounds even worse. And I, I think it's true. A lot of fans are just not really happy right now with the state of the program. Did not look uh, very good in the bowl game. Still had a chance to win, and uh, you know, obviously did not. You want that that bowl win going into uh, the end of you know the off season and try to get some momentum with recruiting and all of that. Of course, that is not going to happen now. I'm, I'm sure USC is going to be fine recruiting. People worry about recruiting a lot, but I, I, I that's not. I'm usually not in that kind of category. Um, you know, I think if you are at a high level. Uh, Performance-wise, maybe you pick up some of the bigger-name out-of-state guys. That's harder to do uh, if you didn't perform all that well, you haven't been playing that well. But local guys, for the most part, you're still going to get your you know, more than your fair share. USC will still be the top uh, you know, recruiting program on the West Coast. So it, that's that, that would take years to change. It's not going to change overnight. Um, but I can understand people are upset with the, the kind of momentum or lack of momentum with the program right now. And we'll see. And you know, we had heard a couple different names of coaches out there that could be hired. Um, Dave Aranda was the big kind of bombshell yesterday on Friday that he's going to 
take the same job at LSU. Um, of course, he's the defensive coordinator for Wisconsin, and, and a lot of people felt he was going to be high on USC's list. Uh, that did not happen. He's going to LSU. Uh, he'll be with Ed Orgeron, ironically, down there. Um, so, yeah, I thought he did a good job in the game against USC and done a good job for Wisconsin over the past couple of years. I thought that would be a really good hire. He was my number one. If I if I had to rank guys that I wanted to see USC get, he was a bit my uh, number one. All right. Uh, also, on the offensive side, we've heard you know Tyson Helton and uh, Neil Calloway. I believe that's, I got his name right. Um, for offensive coordinator, well, for uh, he'd be a quarterback coach and run game coordinator and uh, offensive line coach for those two guys from Western Kentucky. It's Clay Helton's brother. There was been, you know, it's kind of speculation of that just because they've been related for quite a while. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens if, if those two guys, those guys weren't announced. We actually got to talk to Clay Helton uh, New Year's Eve on a conference call. He did not have any new announcements um, as far as coaches go. And we thought, you know, at least those two guys would probably be announced. They're kind of, they're definitely taking their time. And he wants, you know, within the next two weeks to have the whole staff in place. So we'll hear some more. But I would say they're not really being overly aggressive. It doesn't seem like they're being overly aggressive as far as going out and, and, and getting names or bigger names or whatever. We'll see once it all kind of settles in. But they're not, they're definitely not rushing this process. It's more of a methodical approach. And that's part of USC fans' frustrations when you're seeing other programs. I mean, LSU going to get a Dave Aranda like that, bam. I mean, that's a big, that's a big move. And I think for something, for one of these coaches, USC fans wanted to see kind of a big move because they've been waiting for a big move. You know, it really didn't come with Sark. It, it didn't come with Clay Helton. It's, you know, all this internal promotion and things like that. It didn't come with the offensive coordinator, another internal promotion. So they're hoping maybe a big splash into DC you know, or, or offensive quarter or whatever. Um, so I can understand the fans' frustrations with that, but that's just kind of where the search is now. No um, no announcements have been made. All right, so I'm going to jump into uh, these questions. There'll be questions about coaching stuff, about the, the game, about the team in general. Um, and so I'll, I'll play you a voicemail one first. Here you go. Hey guys, this is Daniel uh, out of Los Angeles. Uh, love the love the podcast, and of course, I always listen to it. Um, this is a question for anyone uh, on any podcast to answer. I well, I, I just want to know: Will any journalist, will someone please uh, just sit down and ask Clay Hilton, ask this man, why do you throw the ball to one guy the entire game? Why do you not consistently? Why do you not use the tight ends? And why at the end of the game? Do you finally pass a ball around to all the receivers? We see who can make great catches. Uh, Buchanan, uh, uh, Darius Rogers, Stephen Mitchell. I mean, we have so many receivers that we can use, and we're not using. I wish someone would just really ask him in a press conference, "Why do you throw to one guy, not use a tight end, not use the entire field when you're on offense?" Just please answer it. I, I don't want to hear that's what the defense is giving us because it's not true. We're all watching the game. Everyone and analysis, uh, the analysts. Uh, we, we see what's going on. I mean, you have to spread the ball around. You can't win any championship playing good teams on the one guy. That's it. I love you guys. <laughs> um, thanks, Dad. Thanks for that. Uh, yeah, you can uh, hear his frustration in the the call. And I, I I tweeted out some numbers before the game. I think it was forty two percent or so. I'll have to look. I haven't checked it since that game, but forty two percent of the passing offense did go through Juju Smith. Schuster. So 
Uh, totally understandable. I thought they they used the tight ends at least a couple of times in the bowl game, and they weren't just like at the goal line, uh, you know, two yards out throwing a touchdown, which that's happened like four times or so for Taylor McNamara, but or two yard out where it's just it, I don't know even what they're doing that play for. A couple ones that were down the middle of the field that were intermediate routes, which I thought was a big deal. Um, so I thought they, you know, it put a, at least a couple new wrinkles in there. The whole offense, though, did seem a little grab baggy. And for a team that, you know, you wanted to be a power running team, it wasn't that way, uh, in the, in the game. And, you know, there was a lot of bubble screens and, you know, things like that. So yeah, um, but, you know, Darius Rogers had a, a nice touchdown catch there. I think Juju Smith might have been out of the game at that time. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to go back and take a look. But yeah, there, there's, that's been an issue and it's been just such a focus on Juju Smith Schuster that's hard to get someone else, um, involved. And we saw other players get involved, but it would be one week they're there and then the next week they're not. Um, Deontay Burnett is one where he led the team in, receiving yards one week and then I don't think he caught a pass the next week or did you know, pretty much nothing. So it completely understandable. And, you know, we've asked, uh, Clay Hill and kind of things like that. We, it's, he's always been defend. He, he's defended Cody Kessler, uh, maybe to a fault at some point. Um, so people were asking like, Oh, you got to see Max Brown. And I was like, no, I mean, he's really loyal to Cody Kessler. We knew that Max Brown was not going to get in that game unless it was a blowout one way or the other, and he usually says, you know, Cody made the right decision. This is what we teach him to do. We teach him to, you're going, you know, what the defense gives you, and that's the answer we always get. So you're saying don't, that's not the answer. Well, that's what he tells us when we when we ask him stuff like that. So, um, hard, you know, it's hard to say. We, you know, we're not going to talk to him again until probably spring football. Um, they'll have off-season workouts and stuff. But we'll, we'll, Max Brown is now going to be leading these off-season workouts, and so we'll be able to chat with him. And kind of see what's going on, what his thoughts are. It, that's a real shame to me that Max Brown didn't get any significant snaps the entire season. Um, that's really something you wanted. The, one of the goals for the season was to get him meaningful playing time. And then with the coaching change and stuff like that, that all obviously did not happen. Uh, but thanks for your question. Could totally, uh, can completely hear the frustration in your voice and, uh, apologize for that. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see what kind of goes on. Um, from here. All right. I'm going to go to, we have a bunch of, there's more voicemail questions for Dan and Car Harvey Hyde. So we'll see what time wise is like. I might grab a couple of those and just answer them here, but we do have a lot of voicemail. I mean, uh, email questions as well. So I'll just kind of rattle through them. We have Derek in Redondo beach, my neighbor to the South. What's up, Derek? Uh, Hey Ryan, consider this for a second. I've heard a lot of people think Sam Darnold is our best option at quarterback, especially with our offensive line issues. If he wins the job, Max Brown will obviously transfer. And as a graduate, uh, he'll be immediately eligible to play. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Lane, who recruited Max to USC, would offer him a shot at replacing Coker at Alabama. Alabama just recently lost out on a graduate transfer uh, to Oregon. It's obviously It obviously depends on who wins the spring quarterback competition. But crazier things have happened. Yes, Derek, that's actually, I don't think it's an unlikely scenario at all. So we've heard from a bunch of people inside the program, and it, we've heard mixed bags, but Sam Darnold has killed it, really impressed people. He's athletic. Um, 
and certainly has a shot to win as a redshirt freshman. The problem is with the kind of lack of quarterback depth, you are, you know, Max Brown will not stick around in my opinion. I mean, if he's not named the starter, he's not going to wait two more, you know, two more years to, for someone to get injured. He can graduate um, and transfer and play right away. And almost anywhere in the SEC would be a candidate because the quarterback play in that conference is awful. And they would love to have someone that's kind of learned and not played very much, but was a former five-star guy. And a place like Alabama, I think, would be a great um, fit, depending on what their situation is there. I think it would work out well for Max. He'd love to be able to start. He'd love to be able to play for a winning program. Um, and if he doesn't get the nod and they, they give it to Darnold, he probably would, you know, wouldn't mind going against his former teammate and kind of showing him, Hey, you made the wrong decision. So I could see that happening. Um, my gut still says he's going to win the job. We'll see. I mean, we're not, you know, within the spring, we'll find out. We asked Clay Helton about that and he said, um, not about that specifically about the quarterback competition. He could name someone in the spring. It could be in the fall. He doesn't want to wait until after the first game. So I think that was a little homage to Lane Kiffin, who did that for Cody Kessler and Max Wittick. So he doesn't want to do that. Um, so we should know sooner than that. Maybe in the spring, um, he might name the, the leader. We're not really sure at this point. All right, let's go to Rex from Georgia. Happy New Year to you and your awesome wife, uh, Coach Ari Hyde and Dan and Keeley. What about Gerard, buddy? No, that's cool. Thank you very much. Happy New Year to you, too. Uh, recently joined the Peristyle family. Well, welcome. Thank you very much. He's talking about uscfootball.com. That's our uh, premium message board. And I love the information uh, and your dedication to putting information out there, be it good or bad. Uh, like you, I was perplexed on why Clay Helton would waste so many practice opportunities, if for no other reason, but to get the younger guys some practice time. After watching his latest debacle, I think that it would be would have been prudent to have more practices, especially for the offensive line to work on blocking assignments because we've looked ridiculous the last few games and especially in the Holiday Bowl. I did think that the defensive line looked more violent and aggressive, but that's about the only positive that I saw. When we hire a new coach, is there a 90-day warranty so that we can return the coach if we aren't satisfied? I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> it was a five-year guaranteed contract, so those are not. Uh, seems like, uh, seems like that's what we need to do in this case. We are pl playing worse each game, especially on offense. And it's bad when Dan points out in his article that there's no doubt if we switch coaching staffs that USC would have won the game. That's a telling statement, in my opinion. Aranda looked fantastic. Is there an offer on the table for him? Thanks for, thanks for all you guys do. Rex from Georgia. So Rex, yeah, we already talked about Dave Aranda. He's, he's, uh, been hired by LSU. So that, that ship has sailed. And no, you don't get a 90-day, there's no lemon period. Um, and Pat Hayden was very adamant when he said five-year guaranteed deal. You could tell that was when I, I was there right in front of Pat Hayden when he said that. This is my take, just kind of reading body language. What he was saying was, this isn't a temporary thing. This isn't a, this is our guy. We know it. He's our dude. Five-year guaranteed. That's the sense I got from what, how, when, why Pat Hayden said it when he did. He offered that himself. It wasn't a question. So in his mind, he's the guy. Well, he's lost three of the last four, and since he's been the permanent head coach, you know, hasn't won a game. He's 0-2. And I think there's a lot of pressure 
on the administration again um, because of all this kind of stuff going on. It's it's uh, it's there's been some questionable decisions that I don't I don't like the Monday morning quarterback. If you you know, should have went for it on fourth down or not, unless you say from the beginning, like they should be going for it on fourth down here. They shouldn't punt. And then you punt and it doesn't work out well. You're like, see, that's what I said from the beginning. I, I don't think that's second guessing. You were saying right from the beginning. And most, if not all, of these bad decisions being made lately around USC, none of them have been second guessing. They're just, we say that from the beginning, like, really? And and the practice issue is one of those things that we brought up. Hey, you know, if you only practice seven times for the bowl game, you're between the Pac-12 championship game and the Holiday Bowl, USC held seven practices. So that's a fact. Like, you know, let's say that's some secret ones that they're not telling us about, but I'm sure Clay Hilton would have said something. There were seven practices. At least two of them were under an hour and no pads. None of them had full pads. So, yes, they had a couple extra practices leading up to the Pac-12 championship game, but those were not um, anything to do with Wisconsin. You don't even know who your opponent and stuff was going to be at that point. Plus, you know, finals ended on the 16th. I get that. They didn't practice for three days after finals ended. So they were the latest starting. They were the, of all the teams of the Pac-12, they started practice the latest. So not, you know, good, bad, indifferent. Those are the facts about what USC did practice-wise. Now, Clay Helton said, because we had extra practices for the, the championship game, because the team was kind of bagged up, there was a decision made um, that that's why they did that. We questioned that decision from the very get-go. Like, that's not a lot of bowl practices. You can, uh, we've been saying you can get up to 15. There's actually no rule on the number of practices. It's hard to get more than 15 anyway. But you could certainly get more. Wisconsin got a bunch more. Maybe double the amount of practices USC had for that. So, is it the end-all reason why USC didn't play well? No, but it was a, it's a questionable decision. Probably thought there could have been more. Um, maybe more physical practice even though the teams are you know been banged up a little bit that's just kind of what we thought from the beginning now the team goes out and loses Gerard kind of said this really well on the message board if USC goes out and wins only practicing seven times isn't a big deal if they go out and lose it's more of a big deal and uh I, I kind of think that's it is you know um so yeah that's uh that's kind of my take on that Rex so hopefully that answers your question we have something from Lloyd he said, I am sure uh, Pat Hayden has too many irons in the fire to be a first-rated athletic director. Um, it looks like he's always in a hurry to pick a head coach. looks like he just wants to fill the spot as soon as possible, and it's never the best. I watched Helton on the sidelines, and he looks lost. He doesn't have a clue to what, the, what plays to call and what adjustments to make. He's over his head. So he better put together a great staff because he's going to need a lot of help. He's clueless. Wow, Lloyd, that's that's kind of rough. Um, we, I think because the decision was made to hire Clay Helton, he doesn't have any head coaching experience. Now he has, uh, what, eight or nine games? Or I think, what, he's five and four? I think ten, maybe ten games total um, head coaching experience. Eight as an interim. Uh, one from two years ago. The, uh, the rest of them this year and then the last two as the permanent head coach. It's going to be his first offseason. You have to kind of give him a chance to put his stuff together. You know, you have, he's going to have his own spring football. He's going to have, you know, the, the offseason workouts and the, the strength coaches, and he'll, he'll have input into all that stuff, what they're going to do 
going into fall camp and then how they get ready for the 2016 season. This is his first time doing it. It's not going to be taking over someone else's thing. It's going to be his thing now. So I think you can be, and you could judge a lot more about what kind of head coach he is next year as opposed to this year. Yeah, maybe it's a glimpse of, you know, it, it, I think it's a pretty good glimpse of what it's going to be like, but there, I think they can make some significant changes between now and then. Um, but it'll be his program then. Uh, as far as the, the Pat Hayden stuff. Yeah, I agree. And Pat Hayden's a very smart guy. But the fact that when you, when any of this coaching stuff is going on for USC and you're not hearing, uh, rumors that pop up in the different sites or blogs or, on Twitter with the, the normal people that are breaking news about coaching searches, they get stuff from agents. They get stuff from their coaching tree that they know when none of that's getting out there. That means that USC is not out there because if you're out there exploring and checking out these different people, that then that's how it all gets out. That's how, Oh, they were talking to chip Kelly or whatever. Well, they weren't, you know, and that's, um, yeah, you could do very, very limited behind-the-scenes stuff, and I think that's where it was. There wasn't going out and getting the serious, uh, you know, as serious as you want to be. You weren't hearing any of that from anywhere, and all the other coaching searches, you're hearing that. So it's not like USC is the greatest at never letting anything get out because it's it's going to be out there beyond your control. It's out where if you're talking to a big name coach, he's talking to his agent, and his agent has his own agenda. He doesn't care if USC doesn't want something out there. He wants something better for his client. So if he could float a rumor about his client that would get him maybe even a better job or a better salary, they're going to do that. So the fact that there was nothing around there, I mean, that's what it tells me. And Pat Hayden's a very smart guy, but that's a real-world thing out there. Agents are smart. They're shrewd. You get out there and playing in their world, you're swimming with sharks. And honestly, the, the feeling I get is he didn't really want to be out there swimming with sharks. They kind of wanted to do their internal thing. And they're, they've been hiring people that they know, that they knew Lane Kiffin and they knew Steve Sarkeesian. And of course they know Clay Helton. That's not kind of putting yourself out there into the real world and saying, Hey, what's the, what's the best out? What's the best stuff out here? I'm going to have to battle with these agents and all this stuff, but I want the best coach possible for USC. I do feel it was more of a, Let's get this done quick. Let's get, well, you know, we know him. That, that would be a great hire. It, Yeah, so not that they can't be a great hire, but I do think you're doing your program a disservice if you're not out there swimming with the Sharks and, and at least trying to get someone else, you know. if Yeah, you, you think Clay Helton's the greatest coach ever? He very well might be. We have no idea. We just don't know yet. I mean, I think Dan Weber has been one of his biggest, biggest supporters on the site, and I saw – the frustration in Dan's face in the press box, you know, looking at me and talking to me like, you just don't know. He he might be in over his head. He might be amazing. And it's going to be really hard to tell. Well, we should know a lot more. Um, obviously, that's it's a risk. When you're, te- you're hiring a guy to do a job that he's never done before, that's a risk. Um, not that he can't do it. We'll see. But, yeah, I, I think for me, and it's it's – I don't think people should bash on, you know, Clay Helton. You got to give him a shot. It's more bashing on the process. Like, really, was this the, the absolute best that USC could have got? Um, I, I honestly do not believe that, uh, whatsoever. So sunshine puppers or doom and gloomers. I mean, I'm not trying to like appease either side or whatever. Um, I'm telling people that you should, you know, they've made a decision. Clay Helton's a coach. They're not going to fire him before he started his first season. 
He's going to be a rookie head coach. He's going to be on a, I, I think it's going to be a short leash, just kind of like I felt Steve Sarkeesian was going to be on a short leash. Um, and uh, it, there will be a lot of pressure if USC uh, gets a very tough schedule, isn't winning. All right, Harold and NorCal. Sorry, these answers are getting a little long, but kind of get, get me fired up a little bit here. Uh, more of the same bad play and poor preparation for USC at the Holiday Bowl. Another disappointing loss. All the things that plagued the team this year have not been remedied. It would have, it wouldn't have been this close had, uh, the TD, the quarterback TB, TD run, uh, hadn't been erroneously called back. Yeah. That was when the, uh, quarterback ran down the, the right sideline and they called him out of bounds, but he had actually scored a touchdown. So that, that, that cost Wisconsin the touchdowns. So you're right on that. It says, uh, I may be in the minority when I say Cody is not a winner. I realize coach Helton and many others praise his leadership and personality. He may be a great kid, but how can a QB start for three years? and not have a single comeback win in the fourth quarter. He's had some impressive stats, uh, but he doesn't have what it takes. Overall, this SC team made the Badgers look like Stanford. Very reminiscent of guys like Luck, uh, Gerhardt, and Ertz. The physicality and intensity was not there for USC. Coach Hyde was right. It's been too long since the players played at full speed and hit or got hit. Outcoached, outplayed, and flat-out embarrassed. Sitting here, sickened by the uncertainty of the coming season and the possibility of going 500 next season. Thanks again for the podcast. It's support for us disgusted fans, Harold and NorCal. Um, you know, Cody Kessler set records at USC. He's done a lot of really good things. Yeah, the, it's, it hasn't been a comeback kind of team. I'm not going to put all of that on him. I think it's a lot to do with the offense. Um, he certainly, I think, has had his shortcomings. And the fact, I think, you, know, you see that final play of the game, and there's other. I think there's other questions too about this. I won't go into too much of it, but that's a hail mary play, and you have to throw the ball deep. Um, and I I feel that he has been reluctant at times to do that. Now sometimes maybe it's the offensive line where he doesn't feel he has enough time. Maybe he just not as confident in the other receivers that aren't named Juju Smith Schuster. But in that final play of the game, there was only one option, and it was to throw the ball deep. You had seven seconds. If you had, you know. More than seven seconds. If you had ten, maybe you could try to throw one to get in the field goal range and stop the clock and kick a field goal. But where you were, fourth and ten, there's nothing that would say you should take uh, an out. And Clay Helton said he actually praised Cody Kessler's decision-making there, which didn't make a lot of sense to me. But trying to throw a ten-yard out, Darius Rogers didn't realize that it was fourth and ten, threw a ball out of bounds. There was nothing to be gained even if that play worked, it, obviously the game's over. Nothing to be gained by that. So I, I think that's one of the things. And, you know, if, but I'm not going to blame Cody Kessler completely for that. If he's doing that and you've got a two minute drill and you're taking check downs instead of pushing it down the field because you have to score, that's something I think the coaches have to address. And if you want to say, Hey, we're going to put someone else in to address that, we're going to put in Max Brown and that puts a fire under him. I don't think there was ever any sense that Cody Kessler was going to get pulled. Um, so I, I think you could have done more on the coaching side to kind of change that. But I, Cody Kessler did, I mean, did a lot of great things at USC. It was pretty, you know, the, the program was going through so much crap when he's been the leader. He's had, you know, no, no quarterback has had an interim head coach more than he has. So there's a lot of turmoil throughout his career going on. Um, so I think sometimes he can get a bit of a, a bad rap there. I'll be curious to see what happens. NFL wise, does he get drafted? Does he make it to, you know, 
uh, as a free agent? Does someone pick him up? Does he make a roster? Um, so we'll see with all that. But I, I, I think a lot of stuff with Cody Kessler, three years of, you know, how many different head coaches and all that kind of stuff. I don't think that helped, uh, you know, him quite a bit. All right. Let's see. Chris Journey is wrote it. It said, I'm all on board with you. If you think we, if you think, I'm sorry. I think he wrote this wrong. I think if we had Chip Kelly with the athletes we have at USC would completely dominate. This question is, I'm guessing there's no way and no scenario that that would allow the Trojans to possibly land him right now. Uh, that's from Chris Journey. So I think this might have been a response to some Twitter stuff that was going on. So Chip Kelly, uh, you know, for the, the head coach of the Eagles was fired. Um, we, you know, we, Pat Hayden was asked specifically, did USC contact Chip Kelly? And Pat Hayden said no. He was not one of the guys that was contacted. He said they contacted several people, um, which don't really believe. But, uh, you know, that's, Chip Kelly was not one of them, according to Pat. Now, there's other been re- other reports that USC talked to him and he turned them down. And I think there's people out there that are trying to make excuses why, kind of defending the decision that USC made. Um, I don't think there was, you know, from the sources we've talked to, some serious talks about what was going on with Chip Kelly. The thing you have to understand with Chip Kelly was they could have won the division with a losing record. And if they won the division and made the playoffs, he wasn't going to leave. I didn't think getting fired was, um, Chris, was going to be a uh, a likely scenario. I thought it would be, for any of the NFL guys, they would have to want to come back to college. And now there's other reports that he was saying that he would he wants to be in the NFL and I think that you want to say that a lot. You're not trying to, if he wanted to go back to college, he wouldn't say, I want to go back to college. So I, I don't think you can take a whole lot of stock into that. Yeah, he said, I'd like to be in the NFL. Are the Titans going to get him because of Marcus Mariota? I don't know. Um, I think there's scenarios for Chip Kelly. The three likely scenarios are he gets an NFL job. It's going to be head coach. Uh, if, he, if no one's going to hire him as head coach, he's not going to stay in the NFL to be a coordinator. I don't think. Um, he'd get a college head coaching job. Now, there's not like a whole bunch of uh, great openings, but there could be some if, you know, when the NFL stuff gets hired, if they hire a college guy. Or two, he takes the year off. He's still getting paid $8 million a year or whatever and waits around. People, I've got asked on the radio, uh, radio interviews, could USC get rid of Clay Helton now and, and bring in Chip Kelly? I do not see that happening. Could it have like, you know, put the booster money together and do a buyout and all that stuff. I mean, maybe like LSU or something where they were talking about that with Les Miles. But when I told you earlier, uh, Pat Hayden was adamant, like five-year guaranteed. This is his guy. A few losses, even though, you know, USC hasn't looked good the last few weeks. The one win was over UCLA where they look good. Um, that's not going to change Pat Hayden's mind on this. He's not... In Patty's mind, he makes a decision. It's the right decision. He f- still feels, I think, that, that Steve Sarkeesian was the right decision. Um, you know, some bad things happen, unfortunate circumstances, which I don't agree with. I thought it was a bad decision from the beginning. But so I do not see him changing his mind. They're with it's Clay Helton's going to be the guy right now. Now, if they have a sub 500 year next year and Chip Kelly, um, you know, just took the year off and was commentating or whatever, just making his money. Uh, would they get rid of him after a year? Well, is Pat Hayden still the athletic director? How much pressure is coming down from everyone around? Because there was a lot of pressure, I think, from 
uh, some boosters and everything. They wanted they, Clay Helton was a popular guy with some of the insider people at USC. Um, and do those people change their their tune depending on how they go? Like if I, I think I mean there's some possibilities there. Hard to imagine you know firing coach after one year, but you're taking about 12 games next year. He's already been the head coach. Uh, what for 10? I think it's been 10, right? So that's, that's 22 games. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian was head coach for 18 games. So at the end of next year, Clay Helton will have more USC head coaching experience than Steve Sarkeesian had. Um, and he got fired. Now he got fired for off field crap, but, uh, if it's a really terrible product on the field and it's a really tough schedule, maybe, uh, who knows? But no, not for your question about Chip Kelly. This year, uh, no, that is definitely not happening. All right, let's go to Jeff, the math teacher from Fountain Valley. This is a little long, so let me uh, read it to you. Just some thoughts as I'm watching the game. Feel free to use all, add, none, whatever. Okay, one thing I'm not going to miss in 2016, Soma Vanuku personal fouls. I understand that Dave Aranda of Wisconsin has impressive credentials as a possible defensive coordinator candidate. Not anymore. But I'm concerned by the fact that his D was called for, quote-unquote, disconcerting signals in this game. Uh, does that mean that Wisconsin's defense was basically coached to cheat? Um, if you're not, you're not cheating, you're not trying, is the, the comment there. Uh, it just rubs me the wrong way. Gamesmanship is one thing, but that kind of stuff, it's Bush League, just play football. Okay, I didn't really ask anyone about, um, about that, uh, about the disconcerting signals. That was a weird call there. Um, so yeah, but I, I think you see that kind of happening a lot. And sometimes it's just a defensive lineman thinks he can, you know, mess with you a little bit. As far as some of Anuku goes and the personal fouls, um, he's, I mean, I don't know if you're going to get a harder working guy on special teams. He never really gets in the game, uh, not, not very much as a fullback. So I think when he's in there, he's trying to make a play. So I wouldn't get too, uh, upset about that. They, they, they should have used the fullbacks more than they did. All right. Let's go. Here's another point. FYI. After regaining momentum late in the third quarter by scoring and then forcing a three and out, USC's offense went backwards on five consecutive snaps. Yeah, that was pretty bad. So there was a, a sack, a legal snap, sack, sack, and then a Justin Davis uh, one-yard loss. And they said then Nico Follow comes in, and they scored the go-ahead touchdown 21-20. But then on the next drive, Khalil Rogers comes back, and it's another three and out with a delay of game penalty thrown in for good measure. Measure. I'm not trying to rip on Rodgers, um, but am I wrong that the USC offense has played noticeably better with Fala over the last few games? He didn't get as many snaps, Nico Fala, at center. Um, the problem is Khalil Rodgers' shoulders keep popping out, like, every game, both of them. So he's going to have surgery uh, this offseason. So it's, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to put too much pressure on Khalil Rodgers. I thought he played pretty well. Um but yeah, it's uh, it's tough when I mean, your shoulders keep popping out. That's why Follow was coming in there when he did. And then last point he had: Did we just see them throw an eight-yard pass on fourth and ten again? I think it was a seven-yard pass. But yes, this team is being coached by professional football coaches, right? I mean, wow, what am I missing here? That was the play we decided to end the season with. I guess it's a great capsule of the whole mess of a season in one word: forgettable. That's Jeff, the math teacher in Fountain Valley. Yeah, Dan wrote a, a story on that, and we, you know, we were in the press box, and it's like that was a perfect way to end the season. I mean, really, it was a microcosm of exactly the way this season had gone 
for USC. The thing you just can't possibly do. There's only one choice, and it's to throw a Hail Mary, and you choose to do something else. And even if you, your choice to do something else worked, it still wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have won you the game. What are you doing there? So, yeah, it's, that was a kind of a common theme. And, uh, you know, understand, <laughs> we understand it completely. Okay, let's go to Tana. I really don't know why, don't know why USC fans don't think Chip Kelly would work at USC. USC fans have been so spoiled with the success that they think that just because a guy didn't win a national championship, he would be a bad hire. Chip went to a BCS bowl game every year he was a head coach at Oregon. When was the last time SC went to a BCS bowl game? Not with Helton, not with Sark, not with Kiffin. I fully support Helton, but can you explain to these people that Chip would be a great hire? Hey, Tana, so I did a Twitter poll. Do you think uh, Chip Kelly would be successful at USC? It's kind of open-ended. And about 70% said yes, and 30% said no. There's a lot of, I mean, the majority of USC fans, I think, think he would be great. A lot of people, uh, you know, there's a, a significant portion that don't. Um, probably two-thirds think yes and, and one-third no. Sort of along the lines with the Twitter poll I did there. Even, you know, Dan Weber doesn't think, uh, you know, Chip Kelly. There's a, and a lot of people just don't can't get over the Oregon thing. Here's my thoughts. I think he would crush it at USC. I think he would crush at a traditional power his system with better players. And people are like, well, he, he cheated to get – yeah, yeah, I think there was cheating going on to recruit some of the guys out of Texas at Oregon. The thing is, you don't have to do that at USC. You can just get those guys at Oregon. And it's like Sark at Washington pushing the envelope with stuff, with Tosh Lapoy and things like that. He didn't have to do those things when he came to USC. You get those players. You don't have to do anything outside of the box. So I don't buy that. The uniform thing is a Nike thing, and that's a an Oregon gimmick thing. Now, maybe Chip Kelly uh, embraced it and said, hey, this is something that we can sell to bring more people into our program and to get more attention and all that kind of stuff. Chip Kelly wouldn't, I mean, I guarantee you, he doesn't come to USC and say, we need to do a different uniform combination. That's not what sells at USC. That's something that can sell at Oregon. It doesn't sell at USC. Um, so, yeah, I don't think those issues about the recruiting tactics and the uniforms would be a big deal. As far as the spread offense and we want to do blah, 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 I don't care what offense you run. To me, if you punt on third down every time, if you, as long as you're winning the football game, I don't care. You can run the veer. You can run whatever. Well, about recruiting, if you win, you'll get recruits. There's plenty of people that, you know, don't have this or don't have that. Oregon still put people in the NFL. USC always puts people in the NFL. And if you look what Chip Kelly did in the NFL, he didn't have the quarterback run all the time. He ran more of a, it was still the, the kind of the zone read concept, but it wasn't where the quarter, it was relying on the quarterback to run. Now, I think he could come to USC and if he's got Max Brown, he runs it more what it looks like. Uh, in the NFL, you're still running the high tempo stuff, but it's not asking Max Brown to run. You got Sam Darnold. He wins the job. Well, now that, that aspect is into the offense. I think he's a smart guy. He adjusts things to what's going on. So the, the USC offense with Chip Kelly would probably look a lot like what Steve Sarkeesian wanted the offense to look like from the beginning when they were running 200 snaps in practice and tried to run tempo. Then they just went away from it. He would be doing that, but. He's had a proven, you know, record of doing that in college. And for the people that say, well, he never won a national championship, like, uh, Tana said, he was a BCS bowl game every year. He lost three Pac-12 games in four seasons. He made it to the national championship and didn't win. Now, yeah, could you say, well, I mean, I think that's still a lot better and a lot closer to what 
USC wants to be than what USC has now or what USC has hired. Um, so yes, I think he would crush, crush it at USC. Um, 100%. I think it would be great. Personally, do I want Chip Kelly as far like a business person that covers the team for uscfootball.com? He would probably close practices, limit, you know, all the stuff we can do, all the content that we're able to provide by that team access. That could all go away, which could be really difficult for me at covering the team. I mean, I, you, I might have to reduce the staff because we don't have as much access to the team. We can't write as much content. There could be significant impact on me personally and the business of uscfootball.com if Chip Kelly was hired. But if I'm saying from a USC fan point of view, do you want Chip Kelly? 100% yes. All right, Tana. I a little rant there. Let's see. And uh, Real quick, no one's guaranteed to win. Uh, Clay Helton could be 10 times the coach Chip Kelly would ever be at USC. We don't know. But we've seen Chip Kelly do it in the past. He's done it before. He took a program like Oregon and put it on an elite level. And they're still there. And it's the system that they had in place. And he's, and Helfrich is continuing it. Even, you know, they played really good winning their last six games. Um, and they played TCU today. Uh, and that's all been his system. They're promoting from within because they created the system at Oregon and everyone's going to continue to run it. And I think you got the same kind of thing at Stanford. At USC, you're promoting from within without this successful system already in place. You're just kind of, the system hasn't worked. It's been kind of piecemeal. There's no real identity like you have at Stanford or Oregon, but you continue to promote from within, perpetuating this system that hasn't really been defined or work or whatever. So that's what's kind of weird. So that's a completely different thing um, of what's going on there. And the fact that Oregon is still winning and looking good, I think that bodes well. It shows, you know, Chip Kelly's, that's his, you know, what he's been doing there is still going on and it's still working. All right. Let's go to Ronnie. So just listening to the podcast where you and Dan were talking about Kessler and Juju and how he seems to go to him too much. I was watching the New York Giants game where Beckham was missing and they talked about how much he is involved in the Giants offense. They said he is planned in about 40% of the offensive plays. When I heard you guys talking about our guys, I looked it up and Beckham had 34% of the Giants receptions as of today and about 50% of their yardage. So this happens even in the NFL. Uh, what is curious to me is that towards the beginning uh, half of the season, Kessler spread the ball around quite a bit. It seems six and seven receivers getting the ball was not uncommon. Then as the season progressed, Kessler seemed to focus more on Juju. Uh, why do you suppose there was that regression? Injuries uh, from Ronnie. That's a good question, Ronnie. So the offense changed when Steve Sarkeesian left. This was an offense that was kind of didn't really have much of an identity outside of big plays, right? They scored on big plays. They weren't good at sustaining drives. They weren't good at establishing like the running game or anything, but they would have big plays. They get three and outs. They'd have negative plays. But every once in a while, oh, you hit that one to Juju on second 10, touchdown. Or, oh, here you sneak in Dory Jackson, and he takes a pitch and, and runs it in for a touchdown. That kind of went away with Clay Helton. Now, his focus was going to be on we want to run the football more, and it started that way. And they were running the football more than they were throwing the football. Um, But some of the big plays went away, and some of the passing opportunities for Cody Kessler went away, and it seemed like, when he was going to throw the ball at that point, he was looking for his guy. He was looking for Juju. So maybe it was a fact that they focused on the run uh, a little bit more. 
Uh, maybe that has something to kind of do with it. I'll have to kind of piece through the numbers of where the receptions came for all the receivers. Maybe when Sark was the coach versus Clay Helton. Um, but I think it shifted for sure uh, at that point. So, yeah, it was it was kind of a weird you know phenomenon. But even the last couple of games, they kind of got away from running the football more than they were throwing the football. It was definitely they passed more these last two losses than um, than they than they ran the ball. So I think that's it, it. All to me comes down to what is the identity. The problem is, you know, Steve Sarkisian really didn't establish an identity. You know, they were going to do this quick thing, and then they kind of went away from that and whatever. But Clay Helton was taken over an identity. You know, a, a team that you know, offense that didn't have an identity tried to establish one, seemed like he got it for a little while and then kind of got away from it too. So the key to me will be, Hey, whatever you talk about power run football team, whatever it is, that's what you want to be. Then you be it and you do it. And it seems like they do it for a while and they get away from it, whatever they're trying to get their identity to be. This offense needs an identity. It hasn't had one for a while. And, uh, you know, you see a team like Stanford do it. Um, and USC has not. So, all right, I think we have another one. This is another one from Ronnie. He says, while I'm not a full-on sunshine pumper, I plan to reserve judgment on Helton, on the Helton hire, and wish him well, and I hope he proves all the naysayers wrong, which is a good thing even for the naysayers unless they prefer them to be right as opposed to USC being su- successful. Yes, I do know people like that, LOL. No, that's true. I mean, I think there's people, we see it on the Peristyle, which is a shame. They'd rather, look, they say, I think Clay Helton's, Garbage. I think it's terrible. So they would rather USC lose to show that they were right as opposed to winning. And, you know, if he goes on some tear, he'll win all those people over. Like if he goes on some kind of Pete Carroll run, um, he'll win those people over. And we actually saw this with Lane Kiffin because there was a lot of naysayers about that too. I mean, I would include myself. I thought it was a, a terrible hire, but, you know, he went, he got under the sanctions, went 10 and two, beat Oregon on the road, beat, uh, Notre Dame on the road. That was a really good year for USC and for Lane Kiffin. And then I think all the pressure of being preseason number one and all that, they spiraled out of control. So I think at that point, like if Lane Kiffin would have taken the ball and ran with it and went 10 and two that one year, preseason number one and, you know, went to a BCS bowl game and kept winning during the sanctions, I think people would have bought onto the Lane train and, and one, the, the, all those naysayers that wanted USC to lose to prove themselves right would have probably moved over. Just like kind of the people that didn't like Pete Carroll, they were all in on Pete Carroll, you know, by winning the Orange Bowl and stuff like that. So I think you could win those people over, but it's going to take resounding success. Um, so yeah, Ronnie, I, I kind of agree with you. I don't want to see people rooting for USC to lose just to prove themselves right. But I, you know, I, I can totally understand what they're saying about, you know, there's, there's a lot of reservations of how USC came about. Uh, this coaching hire. Okay, so he goes on says, there's one thing I find ironic is there are m- many of us who said we should have hired an up-and-coming assistant from a big-time program. It appears to me that many pe- people consider USC a top-five program. Either we have, either we would have done that or USC is not a big-time program. Love the podcast. Fight on, Ronnie. Yeah, Gerard and I kind of debated this for a while and uh, on the podcast, I guess, last week or before Christmas. I still think it's a top five job. And I think we'll have to get someone on like Bruce Feldman or whatever, like that'll talk about it. What would I say? Why would it be a top five job? Say a program like Georgia. Uh, are you going to say that's better job than USC? Um, so I would say if you have average coach A 
and he's got there's an opening at Georgia, an opening at USC, all things being equal, where would he go? Now, there's going to be circumstances where he grew up, he was a Georgia fan, or is from there, his family lives there. Then that might give a, one pro, we're not, I'm not talking about that where there's some kind of family ties or you went to the school. You're just this good up and coming coach. Maybe you won a whole bunch at Bowling Green and you're the hottest thing out there. You know, like a Tom Herman or something like that who turned down South Carolina. People are like, well, he turned down South Carolina. Well, I don't think he would have turned down the other USC, the real USC. Would you pay? I would put USC over Georgia. Um, I mean, history, all the success, Heisman's, championships yeah usc blows all that away number of guys in the nfl better recruiting base uh, georgia's really good there's a lot but it's not as good as california the biggest thing to me is competition usc is the top dog on the west coast like it's not even close it's the alpha program even when oregon's good or stanford's good there's one alpha program that gets the, the recruits they want that's usc georgia is in a dog fight not even for like the better programs like the alabamas of the world but you still got to fight with like Mississippi State over guys, and it's just not the same. Uh, it's the competition is just crazy in the SEC. It's not really on the West Coast. You have an established alpha dog, and the SEC has established alpha dog in Alabama, but there's still crazy competition from everybody. Not even, you know, even Auburn's on down year, and they'll still, you know, fight Alabama for recruits and stuff. So it's just it's different. So to me, it's a top five program because. You could come into USC and they, a good coach, they're like, well, there's turmoil. Who wants to work for a Hayden? A good coach would look and say, look at the, I mean, all, it's not hard to win at USC. Just don't screw it up. USC's had people that screwed it up. Um, now the issue I have is, does the administration want to bring someone like that in? Cause they will see the potential. They will make the changes and change the status quo of what's going on in the program. And I honestly don't think that's what the administration wants right now. They kind of want to keep the status quo, and they, they keep hiring from within and hiring internal guys. So, all right, that one. Let's see. we got some more here. Scott Grossman wrote in. Hello, Ryan. I was wondering why Helton is waiting to hire assistant coaches now. I see all over the coaching landscape coaches are being hired, and at USC nobody's being hired. What's the deal? Can you throw shed some light on the subject? We talked about this a little bit at the top of the show. Um he wants to take his time. He wants to have the coaching staff in place by the end of the dead period, which is in the middle of January. Uh, I mean, we'll see who ends up getting and, and, and who he ends up putting together. We kind of get the feeling it's going to be Clancy Pendergast again at defensive coordinator, who I think could, you know, he was here before. I thought did a good job. Um, I think he could do it again. Is that like some crazy, amazing hire? You know, it's like a guy you know. It's another guy. I want to see someone from outside the program. I just, just to show that it can happen, a big name from outside the program. Um, but I think he would do a good job. I think, you know, it's, it's a pretty good hire. He's a linebacker coach at the 49ers. The 49ers are, um, you know, they'll, they'll be done tomorrow. I think their game's on Sunday. Uh, but you know, he's a linebacker coach there. We heard he was offered the job, didn't want to come, but now there's a lot of, you know, could be turnover at that coaching staff. So he might want to take the USC job. And you can understand where he was doing a great job. Sark comes in and lets him go. And you're like, why would you let that guy go? He really turned the defense around from what Monty Kiffin had. Um, so we'll see kind of what happens there. But, you know, that's, I think there's been the way this all, the way everything went down, there's been a lot on Clay Helton's plate. Some of it's fair, you know, unfair, fair, whatever you want to say. 
he's had to do that. So firing those coaches when he did, um, you know, kind of having all these GAs and stuff running practice, that's hard. You're looking for coaches, trying to prepare for the bowl game, getting ready for next year. There's a lot kind of going on. And usually you get hired during an offseason. You don't get hired and five days later play a Pac-12 championship game, which is exactly what happened to, to Clay Helton. So we should know more in the next week or so. But, yeah, I, I kind of felt, honestly, Scott, I felt they could be a little bit more aggressive and go after some some bigger kind of names. Um, you know, they haven't done that. You know, we'll see how it turns out. But you should know something fairly soon. Marcel in Diamond Bar. I noticed that during the UCLA and Nebraska game, the refs called UCLA's linemen for being downfield illegally. Apparently that happens quite often in the Pac-12, but our refs don't call it. Do you see this as a problem? Um, yeah, yeah, I think one time, sometimes you see things in bowl games where you have other officiating crews uh, out there and you, you kind of see different things. Um, I think, you know, different screen passes and stuff. I, I don't see it as a huge problem. I mean, what, I mean, I don't know what you're going to say. Like, I think I only called it one time in that game. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, Marcel, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know why you'd worry about it, but I think there's plenty of other things to worry about here. Uh, Melvin writes in question or comment. Now that the bowl season is over, Trojan fans were led to believe that the football program would now hire assistants because they were engaged. They would now be able to hire assistants because they were engaged with other teams, but still no word yet. All in caps. Furthermore, the rumor has it. Aranda for defensive quarter is not true. LSU and Les Miles have taken him away from Clay Helton. That is also true. Uh, my question, I don't know if he's taken away from Helton, but they hired him. My question, is this job too big for Coach Helton? He's now on a two-game losing streak with the Alabama, with Alabama's the next game. He supposedly did not hire any assistants because they were still engaged in bowl games, but that is over now. Recruiting is coming up, and we still haven't made any real moves to get a staff. Is this job too big for Helton? Thank you, Melvin. I, I think it's a a great question, but it's not a question we can answer. Um, I wouldn't say because they haven't hired this coach or that coach or um, lost the last couple of games or, you know, potentially could lose the opener to, to Alabama and he would start, you know, his that's five and five as the head coach at USC. I don't think that means it's too big of a, you know, job for, for Clay Heldon, but Will we know after next year? Maybe that's not even fair. Um, but, you know, like I said, after next year, he'll have had 20 uh, games under his belt as head coach, which is more than Steve Sarkeesian had at USC. It's hard to say right now. I mean, he really was thrown into kind of a whirlwind situation, which I've always said it wasn't fair. It's hard. It's not fair to really judge him that way. But he also had an unfair advantage where he was given an opportunity to be the head coach at USC with where normally someone with his resume would not have been. So there was some kind of good luck there by you you are you were in this position to be the name the head coach. And some bad luck is it's not really your team. You're taking over someone else's mess and you have to make it you're trying to make roses out of it. And it was a pile, you know, it was a stinking pile for a while. So yeah, I think there's you know, you can say fair, unfair, kind of on both sides um, of the of the whole debate. But I don't think you can say he's going to, this is too big of a job for him yet. Uh, I think a lot of USC fans have been saying that. They're not real happy with, uh, you know, the way things have kind of been going. But, you know, 
what are you going to do? Like that's you hired him in this spot. It's a it's a very difficult spot. I think revisit that question again uh, next year at the end of the year and kind of see, well, what did it look like? Did this team have an offensive identity? Did they play tough and lose some close games? You know, it could have a, you know, a seven and five record and, you know, you lost by a field goal to Alabama and and to Stanford or whatever. I I think then you couldn't say, well, it wasn't a great record. It was a tough schedule, but the team played hard. They had an identity and they look like they're going in the right direction. It might take another year to get, you know, into the kind of rhythm that, that Clay Helton and get the direction that Clay Helton wants to go. Um, so I think, you know, you could say that. But if USC is getting blown out and looking terrible next year, then the answer to your question, I think, would be different. So uh, it's it's a very strange situation to be in. Um, it was a strange procedure, the way the hire went down. And so sometimes weird things are going to happen. You make a weird decision. It doesn't just mean, oh, everything will just work out. It might, but it might not. So, but I don't think you can answer Melvin, uh, that question right now. I think it's going to be, I think you're going to take a little bit more time to kind of do that. Now, the people are running away and saying that, you know, don't like this, don't like that. Um, until you see what spring ball looks like, the offseason workouts, what that looks like, um, all that kind of stuff. Then I think, you know, I think you'll have a better assessment, uh, next year. All right. Uh, you know, I think I might jump in and answer a voicemail question or two that were sent to Dan or Harvey because there's just a lot of them. So we'll, we'll jump over here. I'll do, hmm, let's see. I'll jump on this one for Coach Harvey Hyde. Hello, Ryan, Coach Hyde, Dan. This is Ed Duncan up in the Desert. I wish we were starting the new year off under better circumstances. But I would like to congratulate the players like Sue Cravens and Kessler and all the rest of the players who have given up so much for the USC program and who will be leaving USC after 2016. I haven't called in in a couple of months because I wanted to see how the latest Pat Hayden decisions would work out. So here we go again. Boy, I hope it works out. USC was not in a position to play the Bugetson game, it needed to go out and hire a superstar, proving, proven winning coach to turn this program around. No harm intended toward Coach Helton. One of the reasons I'm saying this, USC football players need to be taught the proper techniques on offense and defense. And we need to start recruiting players to fill our needs as opposed to concentrating on four and five star players. Just my opinion. Stay strong, men of Troy. Fight on. All right, Ed. Thanks for the uh, the take on that. Yeah, I mean, I think you know he brings up some some good points there. As far as recruiting goes, it's going to be uh, you know the class is mostly in place. They'll you know fill out some more. Um, but I you know I think they're still going to go after. It's a team that they go after five star guys. Um, it's it's hard not to you know especially when you can get them and, and USC is a team that can get them but I think they need to fill some roles as well. It's only going to be a twenty person class because of the blue shirts and stuff that were brought in. So we'll see how kind of uh, Clay Helton fills uh, the rest of the the class up. And you know the, the whole coaching staff situation. I think you want to bring in guys that are teachers and develop players. For me, it, the problem has never been with recruiting with USC. More on the player development side, not just really game day stuff. 
but really developing the players that you have and and getting someone that comes in that's a highly ranked player to get better uh, throughout their career. And I think that's been something that's been lacking a lot by USC. So, hey, you know, we'll see. Is he going to focus on fundamentals, bring it in, guys that are teaching football and, and having a system that works and that everyone buys into and something that makes them better? Um, you know, it, it's tough because USC usually has the most – if you want to talk about when USC plays someone, who's going to have more guys go in the NFL, it's usually USC. Usually have guys that have more potential, more talent, whatever you want to say. But usually you're not saying that USC outcoached the other team. And uh, I think that's what people want to see out of Clay Helton. Um, and that, you know, we'll, we'll determine that a lot by next year, what we see uh, out of them and the staff he puts together and all of that. All right. So we'll knock that one out there. Thanks, uh, Ed, for that question. And thank you guys all for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast Saturday edition. Hope you guys are enjoying the rest of the the bowl games are finishing up today. And, of course, the championship game between Alabama and Clemson on the 11th. Two more Pac-12 games today. If you guys want, want to listen to our Pac-12 podcast, I do one with David Woods from Bro. We kind of team up and do the podcast together. Pac-12podcast.com. I am 6-1-1 one, one picking bowl games for the Pac-12 against the spread. So pretty good so far. So I got two more. I was right about Stanford. They killed Iowa. Today I got Oregon. I'm taking this, you know, minus seven. So I think they're going to cover win by more than that on TCU and Arizona state's actually a favorite by one. So I took Arizona state in this one. So I got both PAC 12 teams in these final two games for the PAC 12 that are happening today. So check that out. PAC 12 podcast.com. Everyone else, you can go to peristylepodcast.com for this podcast. Of course, uscfootball.com. That's the site I run. Hope you guys enjoyed our little show and we will talk to you next time. Again, we'll have Dan Weber come on. We'll have Harvey Hyde come on. You guys sent in a ton of questions for them. So we'll be able to talk a lot more topics and get their opinions on probably some of the same things that we talked about today. Hear what those guys have to say. So for the, this is the Pac-12 podcast. I'm sorry, this is not the Pac-12 podcast. You can listen to the Pac-12 podcast. This is the Peristyle podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Welcome back to the show, folks. We're downtown today looking for small business owners. Here's one now. Excuse me, who's handling the marketing for your business? Marketing? My nephew did our Facebook page and the website, but I didn't really see results. I'm just too busy trying to build my business to focus on that stuff. Maybe I have to hire a professional. Well, did you know Circle Marketing's entire team of marketing experts can help you grow your business? Really? But can Circle Marketing handle my social media updates? Yes. New website design? Yep. Online advertising? Sure thing. Make a professional video? Oh, yeah. Help me with marketing strategy? Absolutely. Can they walk my dog, Harriet? Um, no, that's not marketing. Oh, okay. Well, we were on a roll there. So where can I find more information about Circle Marketing? That's easy. Go to circlemarketing.com. When you're ready to hire a professional, full-service marketing company, contact Circle Marketing. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.